0: Uh, the worship choir, the orchestra, and the band, and the, the soloist of the of First Baptist here, we're presenting next Sunday night—not this Sunday, but next Sunday night, uh, Saturday actually, Saturday and Sunday at 6 p.m. <coughs> we're presenting the musical, "The Majesty of Christmas," and so we wanted to tease you a little bit with some of it. So we're gonna we're gonna tr- attempt with a with like a a, a quarter of the people to do what we do with the whole group this morning. So um, we're gonna sing one of the songs. We want you to sing along with us because I think you'll know these songs. This is a crazy wild song, uh, Christmas carols. Uh, but uh, imagine the choir loft is full. Imagine we have you know six or eight more instrumentalists over there along with a, a drummer. We're gonna have a, 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 a Luke Simpson on a, a snare drum doing like a drum line thing. So, and then uh, Megan, uh, Megan Henson will be over there, not Megan Henson, Megan Clayton will be over there with uh, playing the piccolo. So anyway, put on your imagination. And, uh, oh, and, oh and uh, th- also we're going to feature some of, uh, of uh, our master of lighting, Cade Pittman up there. He's going to show us a little, a little taste of his lighting ability. So anyway, enjoy this uh, as a teaser for our musical coming up next week next weekend, Saturday and Sunday. Will you stand and let's sing it together. This is called Sing We Now of Christmas Medley.
1: Christmas sing we all know well Praises to the babes of deep. Yeah.
0: It's okay. So, so this coming Saturday, this coming up uh, Saturday and next Sunday, uh, the third and the fourth. It's 6 p.m. in this room, and uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be so great. It's it features uh, like I said the whole orchestra. This is just a portion of of us, uh, but uh, we wanted to kind of tease you a little bit with it. But uh, uh, it'll also feature some testimonial uh, like narrations from our our staff so each one of us took a little a little narration and uh, it's, it turned out really really good and again uh, Cade's still working on the light show that we're going to have for that it's going to be a blowout so it's going to be good We are so thankful to the Lord for all that He has done for us, especially this weekend as we've celebrated Thanksgiving. Will you stand with us and let's just sing this together? I do this one. I've been doing this song for 20 years now, every Thanksgiving, and uh, it never goes old. Oh, thank you, Lord. Come on, guys! Here we go. Sing it, guys. And I thank you. Echo, ladies. spirit of thankfulness we thank you Lord for the blood of Jesus sing this along with us
1: divide, left behind heaven's throne, to build it here inside, and there at the cross, you paid the debt I owed, broke my chains, freed my soul, and for the first time I had hope. Sing it. Thank Thank you, you, Jesus, for For the the blood. blood.
0: Psalm 103, 1 through 4 says, Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all the sins and heals all your diseases? Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion? And together we say as a church, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Please be seated.
2: Good morning, good to see you today. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving. We do indeed have much to be thankful for in Jesus Christ, and we honor his name today and worship in his name. I've been sharing a series of sermons about the Trinity. We're trying to understand our God and to know Him better, and uh, God has revealed Himself as three in one. He's the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and yet there's one true living God. That's hard for us to get our minds around. Trinity's beyond our comprehension, but we want to try to understand some of what God is, so we've sort of broken it down into steps. If you think of these three steps leading up to the platform, week one, For those of you who are just joining us, let me just give you a little review. So glad you're here. If you're a guest with us today, thank you for coming. And we started out in the first week of this series with the word one and the question, How many gods are there? And if you believe there's no God, you answer that question zero, you're an atheist. You answer it with, uh, there's many gods or more than one God. You're a polytheist, but we're monotheists. We believe there's one true living God. Deuteronomy 6, 4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God, the Lord is one. So that's where we started. Let's get our mind around one first. There's only one true God. Then move up a step. We spent a couple of weeks here, last two weeks. What is the relationship of Jesus to this one true God? Was he created by God? Is he equal with God? Is he God? And we answered that, and that's the most important question in the world, I believe. Determines your eternal destiny. Who is Jesus to you, and what's his relationship to the one true God? And we came to see that the Bible says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He's distinct from the Father, but he is God. And so we looked at John, Gospel of John, what Jesus said about who he was, and the way to become a Christian is to say, I believe that Jesus... It's the one and only Son of God, sent from the Father to be my Savior. I put my faith in Him. Now, today, we want to move up to the third step. We made it to three now. So, three, we're going to ask, ask the question, what's the relationship of the Holy Spirit to the one true God and to Jesus Christ, His Son? And so, we're going to look today at John 14 through 17, the night before Jesus died, as He was preparing to leave, uh, he wanted to prepare his disciples, and he taught them about the one who would come after him, the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to look at five short passages in John 14 through 17. I want to try to answer three questions about these passages. Who sends the Spirit? What's his titles? And what does he do? So those are the questions we're going to be looking for as we go through these Passages let's begin in John chapter 14 verse 15 or verse 16 these are the words of Jesus he says and I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever now let's break that verse down Do you see all three persons of the Trinity there I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate so our first question is who sends the spirit and the answer here is the father Jesus says I'll ask the father and he will give you another advocate So at Christmas, we celebrate that God has given us his son. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And through the giving of his son, he's given us salvation as a free gift. And now we see another gift of God. I'll ask the Father, and he will give you just as God gave us his son. So now, as the son has finished his mission here on earth, he will give us this other advocate. So the Father Will give him to you and so what is his title the first title or name that we see for him is advocate I will ask the father and he'll give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever Now, this word is translated a variety of different ways because it's just hard to capture in one English word what this means. The traditional translation of the King James Version was comforter. I'll send you another comforter. That's a great translation. But they began to think, well, in our day, comforter doesn't mean exactly what it used to mean. It sort of means a blanket, you know, and he's not exactly a blanket or a bedspread. He's more than that. So the new King James Version changed it from comforter to helper. And that's a great translation. God's sending you a helper, as long as you don't understand it. It doesn't mean he's your assistant, that he's below you, but he is uh, your helper. He's one called alongside you. That's the basic meaning of the word, paraclete, one called alongside you to help you. Or the message translates it friend, and I think that's a good translation. He's sending you a friend to help you. But there are some legal connotations in what this word means, like a courtroom, like an attorney If you have ever watched on TV or if you've ever been in a courtroom, you know that when you're on trial, your attorney sits with you. And maybe when you have to stand, he even stands up with you. He's one alongside you. That's what this word means. And so the Christian Standard Bible translates it counselor or counselor the NIV advocate. So it's the idea of a defense attorney, one who's called alongside you. Yes, he's your comforter, helper, your friend, but he's also your defender. He's your advocate. He's your counselor, and that who God is sending to you. Now, I want you to notice the the adjective there, another counselor. I'm going to send you, I'll ask the Father, and he'll send you another counselor. So Jesus has been all these things to them. He's been their comforter, their helper, their friend. But now he's going away. And so he says, As I'm going away, I'll ask the Father, and he'll send you another comforter, like Jesus. So the Holy Spirit is like Jesus. He's the same thing Jesus was. This word, another, uh, in Greek, there are two words for another one means another of a different kind, another means another of a same kind. Now we use this one word, another, in English to mean both of those. If you said after your Thanksgiving dinner this weekend, that pumpkin pie was great I think I would like another slice of pumpkin pie what do you mean there you mean in context another of the same kind I liked that pumpkin pie and I want another of the same kind but if you come home from work and you say my job is terrible I'm gonna have to find another job you do not mean another of the same kind you don't want another one just like you have got you mean another of a different kind right there's two words in Greek it has more precision this is the first one another of the same kind. he's just like Jesus the Holy Spirit is another Jesus another helper another comforter because he's going away to heaven I'm going to send you another advocate comforter helper and what will he do he'll be with you forever Jesus is going away in the body he will not be there on earth with them forever but he says take heart I'm going to ask the Father and he will send you another comforter and he'll be with you forever. Whatever you go through in life, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit will be with you forever. That's an unconditional promise of God. Now, verse 17, we got a second title. Ask that question, what titles? Here he is, the Spirit of Truth. So the advocate is the Spirit of Truth. He testifies to the truth. He'll always tell you the truth. He outlines the truth. The world cannot accept him, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. So he says, you really already know this Spirit, because Jesus was full of the Spirit, and so he's, he's already been with you in me, Jesus is saying, but he now he will be in you. So the next thing, the Holy Spirit, he will be with you forever and will be in you. And so at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit had been around and helping people in other ways through the Old Testament, but not like this. From Pentecost forward, he comes into the bodies of those who believe in Jesus Christ. And so if you'll put your faith in Jesus Christ, he can be in you and with you forever. This morning when I got here, there was a note in my box. That somebody had scrawled on an envelope at 4 a.m. this morning and put on the door and said it was critical of our church and saying, Why is your church locked up? I need help. I need God. And you people are just here during business hours and you're not open at at 4 a.m. Well, if I had the opportunity to talk to that person, if that person is in our service today, I would say, let me explain to you this way of God. You don't have to be in this building. God is as much on that porch when we're not here as he is in this place. This is not the sanctuary where he is. Now individual Christians are the sanctuary where he is and you can meet him anywhere and he would be with you and be in you. And you can know him. Yes, it is. Him. we are commanded to together, together, but this place is not where he is unless we're here because he's in you. And so today, if you are longing for God and you have some uh, need in your life, if you'll believe in Jesus, then the advocate, the helper, will come and be with you and be in you forever. Wow. Now, let's go to the next passage. In verse chapter, still in chapter 14, verse 26. But the advocate... The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. Let's break down that verse. What's the titles for the, this uh, advocate? We've already heard, heard him called the advocate. Now, the Holy Spirit. So he, the second title is the Holy Spirit. Uh, he's different from all other spirits. He's holy. I shared with you. We talked about John 1.1, that Jehovah's Witness have their own translation of the New Testament called the New World Translation. And in John 1.1, they won't translate it. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. They say, a God, and they put a little g because they don't believe in the deity of Jesus Christ, if you're here. Well, I would say to you now, again, on this verse that they don't translate Holy Spirit with a capital H and a capital S because they don't believe that's a proper noun they don't believe in the deity or the personality of the Holy Spirit they believe that he's less than that so they just say Holy Spirit with a little h and a little s but we believe that he is a person he's given Do you notice the masculine pronoun Jesus says he's not a it doesn't call him a it and it will be with you forever, and it will be in you. No, he says, He will be with you forever, and He will be in you. And so, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. So, again, our question was, who's sending Him? And the answer is the same, the Father, but it said a little different. Before he said, I'll ask the Father, and He'll send it. Now he says, the Father will send Him in my name. Do you hear the relationships there between the Father, the Son, and the Spirit? The advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. What will he do? Well, here we learn that he will teach you all things and remind you of everything I've said to you. So the Holy Spirit is always going to work in relationship to Jesus. And he is going to teach them all things and remind them of what Jesus has said. And this is how we got An accurate account of Jesus words in the Bible how do we know the Sermon on the Mount is really what Jesus said I couldn't remember all that could you No. but God said Jesus said I'll send you the Holy Spirit and he'll remind you of everything that I've said and so we know the word is accurate because Holy Spirit has inspired it he reminded Matthew and and, uh, and and John and others of these words and they could record them that 's his work. Now I think there 's still a work of the Holy Spirit reminding us, if you will learn scripture, because he said it in another context, when you stand before synagogues and kings, don 't worry about what you say i 'll give you the words to say so When you learn Scripture, memorize Scripture, learn the Bible, there are times of temptation, are times of witnessing, and the Holy Spirit will help you and remind you of the things that He has said. That's part of His work in your life when He's with you and in you. And that's why it's important for us to learn the words of Scripture and learn the words of Jesus, because the Holy Spirit will bring them to mind at the proper time. Let's go on to another passage in these three chapters in John chapter 15 verse 26 and when the advocate comes whom I will send to you from the father the spirit of truth who goes out from the father he will testify about me so I us answer our questions who sends the spirit here the answer is different than the first two passages it says here it says that the son Jesus Jesus says I'll send the spirit from the father Both are true. The Father sends the Spirit. We saw in the first two passages. Now we see the Son sends the Spirit. I'll send the Spirit from the Father. And He, not yet, remember, He will testify about me. What will He do? He will testify about me, Jesus says. So the Holy Spirit is always going to point you to Jesus. You see, there's no jealousy in the Trinity. Uh, there's a uh, uh, Holy Spirit doesn't demand the spotlight, He's always going to testify about Jesus because God's plan of salvation centers in His Son Jesus. And sometimes people will say, You know, the Trinity, uh, the Holy Spirit, sort of we sort of forget about Him, He's sort of the forgotten member of the Trinity. Francis Chan even wrote a book about the Holy Spirit entitled The Forgotten God, a good book because we maybe we, we don't talk about him. The Holy Spirit doesn't care. He's not worried about getting the spotlight. He's always going to talk about Jesus. He's going to testify to Jesus that he doesn't want the spotlight. That's part of why he's sort of the forgotten God. He's always magnifying the Son, Jesus. And so whatever is done of the Spirit in your life will elevate Jesus. And if it doesn't elevate Jesus, it's not from the Holy Spirit. Look at the next passage in John chapter 16, verse 7. But very truly, I tell you, it's for your good that I'm going away, Jesus said. Now, that must have been a startling statement to them. But unless I go away, the advocate, the helper, the comforter, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And so, Jesus said, it's going to be for your good that I go away. Because I'm going to send the Spirit after I go away. And so, you see, Jesus was localized in one place he had become incarnate at, Christ- at Christmas he's in one spot at one time Capernaum or Bethany or whatever but he says "You know, it's going to be good for you to go away because now he'll be with you forever and be in you so it's going to be good the Holy Spirit is going to be better sometimes people say oh I long for the days if I could only have been there when Jesus was there well that would have been great to see him and listen to him but Jesus says in some way you got it better now because he's in you and he's with you And he says here, um, but if I go, I will send him to you. So again, the second answer is the son. The first two passages said that the father will send him in my name, or I'll ask the father and he'll send him. Now he says, I'm going to send him because there's that interdependence of the Trinity there. And when he comes, what's he going to do? When he comes, here's what he's going to do. He'll prove the world to be wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. Uh, The word convict there is the word I would use to sum that up. He'll convict the world. Again, that word has a lot of translations. It's translated reprove in the King James Version. He'll reprove the world. It's translated uh, translated convict in the New King James Version. It's translated uh, expose in the message. So... Here's what the Holy Spirit does in the world. So in the life of the believer, we saw that he's your advocate. If you believe in Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes into your life, and he's like your defense attorney. But before you come to Jesus, he's like a prosecuting attorney. You get it? Uh, he he loves you he wants to come within you but first he must prove you wrong before you'll ever come to the savior so he's going to convict you or expose your sin or reprove you or prove you wrong he's like a prosecuting god's prosecuting attorney to work in your life so even if you're not a believer yet We said if you're a believer, he's in your life and he's going to be with you forever and he's your helper, but he's at work in and around you even if you're not a believer yet. What's he doing? Read this right here. He's going to prove you wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin because people don't believe in me. So you think you're not too bad a sinner. That's what we all are. We, we overestimate our righteousness. Well, I, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not as bad as some people. I'm as good as a lot of those people at church. I, I haven't done a lot of real bad things. I've tried to, I've tried to uh, be nice to people, and I help people. You know what the Holy Spirit says? Nope. Nope. You're not. You're not. He's going to expose your sin so he can prove you wrong, because the only way you'll ever come to be a Christian is if, when you know you're a sinner and you need a Savior. So he's going to expose or prove you wrong about sin because you don't believe in Jesus because your greatest sin is your failure to receive God's gift of a Savior. So he's going to prove you wrong about sin and then about righteousness because I go to the Father where you can see me no longer. Jesus has been doing this. He's been sharing about righteousness, proving them wrong about their own righteousness. But now he's going to the Father and the Spirit will take up that function in the world in our lives. And then third, he says, and about judgment, verse 11, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. And so he's going to remind you there's a coming accounting, a judgment. He's going to remind you of your death. He's going to remind you of judgment upon you because the prince of this world, that's Satan, has already been condemned. Uh, You you know, sometimes when a criminal is sentenced, I heard it this past week, one of these... uh, Famous um, uh, defendants sentenced but doesn't have to report till April, right? The devil has already been sentenced. He's not going to report till Judgment Day, but he's already been sentenced. He already stands condemned. And you're in that with him, and so the Holy Spirit's going to convict you of that. So uh, if you're not yet a believer and you sometimes, uh, I don't really like to go to church or, I don't want to read the Bible. This is why. Because it makes you feel guilty. And it's good for you to feel guilty. Because that guilt is going to bring you to a Savior. And so if you get concerned about death and you get feeling inadequate, what the world does is try to just make those feelings go away. Give you therapy so that you don't feel guilty anymore. And and you're okay. I'm okay. You're okay. We're all okay. You know. That's not what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit will not aside your guilt or try to to make... He's going to make you feel guilty because that feeling bad is the only way to feel good. You've got to face your sin. You've got to face judgment. And when you face that, then you can receive the gift of God, of salvation of His Son, and the power of the Spirit, and your life can be changed. Now, what if you say, well, I'm not yet a Christian, and I don't really feel what you're talking about. I don't feel that bad about... When I come to church or I don't feel that bad when I read the Bible, I don't feel bad when I do something wrong, I would just say to you, that's a dangerous thing because you're losing sensitivity. Now, it may be, it may be that you're a child and you've not yet come to that sensitivity in the work of the Holy Spirit. That's okay. But if you're an adult or a teenager and you say, I, I, don't, I don't feel any of that, I would just warn you. It's a dangerous situation to be in. It's like a hand that becomes so calloused that it has no feeling, are like something that's been burnt with a hot iron. The scripture uses both of these analogies so that you have lost the pain sensitivity in your skin and you are seared or you're calloused and the next step is hardened. And so I would just say to you, it's a dangerous thing uh, when you become, when you don't feel any sensitivity, any sense of wrong, any sense of conscience. Your conscience has been seared respond to the Holy Spirit while there is that sensitivity to him he loves you and that is why he is reminding of sin righteousness and judgment Next, last passage in chapter 16 verse 12 I have much more to say to you more than you can now hear Jesus says I got a lot more I need to teach you but you can't bear it all we don't have time for it all but verse 13 but when he the spirit of truth comes he will guide you into all the truth. He'll not speak on his own. He'll speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is to come. And so the last thing, number five, that the Holy Spirit will do, he'll guide you into truth and tell you what is to come. Sometimes one of the critics of, uh, of uh, Now Against Christianity will be, and you'll hear this, so I want to prepare you for it if you haven't already encountered it, Some people will say, Jesus never talked about that, therefore, we can't make any judgment about it. That is a common response of the LGBT uh, movement. Jesus never said anything about homosexuality, therefore, you all are making too big a deal about this being wrong. So here's the response to that. Jesus said, I have much more to tell you that you cannot hear, But when He comes, He'll teach you. So the rest of the New Testament that does condemn homosexuality is on a par with the words of Jesus. That's what He said. And He said the Holy Spirit's going to teach you truth. And so we value... All of the New Testament equal to the words of Jesus. Are we saying Paul is equal to Jesus? No. But the reason we don't elevate the words of Jesus above the rest of the New Testament is because Jesus said the Holy Spirit's gonna come and he's gonna teach you more things. And he says he, he's not gonna teach you new things, he'll only teach what he hears. It's going to come from the Father and from me. It's going to glorify Jesus, but he'll tell you what is to come. So that argument that Jesus didn't talk about it, therefore it's not important, just won't work. Because Jesus said the Spirit's going to continue my ministry and he's going to take from me and give to you. And that's what we have in the New Testament. It says in verse 14, he'll glorify me. He's not. He's not he doesn't have a big ego. The Holy Spirit in the Trinity, I'm telling you, is the pattern for our relationships there is equality of status but there is deference deference submission and the Holy Spirit here it says he'll glorify me he's gonna point spotlight me he's not gonna make a big name for himself because it's through me that you'll be saved. he'll glorify me because it's from me that he'll receive what he will make known to you and all that belongs to the Father is mine and that is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he'll make known to you. We haven't learned yet all we'll learn about the Holy Spirit, but already we can see at step three, the Holy Spirit, he's not an it. He's not something created. He is on the same par as the one true God, the Father and the Son. The Holy Spirit is at work either around you or in you. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, would you believe on the basis of the words of Jesus that he said, Holy Spirit is with you forever. And he'll be in you and he'll help you. And I don't know what you're going through right now in your life. Maybe you're going through a tough time. Maybe the holidays are tough for you. Maybe you're facing some relational issues, some issues at work. I want you to know if you're a believer, that God has loved you so much that he not only gave you his son, that's what we celebrate at Christmas, but he's given you a second Christmas gift, a Pentecost gift of his spirit. And the spirit is with you and will be in you forever. And he's your defense attorney. And so right now, would you just cooperate with him and say, Spirit, I, I want to experience you. He's the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, so if you want to cooperate with him, you need to confess that sin. He's holy. Get that sin out of your life so you can experience the presence and the power of the one who lives in you. Maybe you need to confess your sin. Maybe you just need to take your pr- problems right now and say, oh, advocate. Oh, oh helper. Oh, comforter. I need you now. And if you're not yet a believer in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit is also working around you and he is working to prove you wrong in your mistaken ideas of your righteousness and that there is no judgment and that you're not so much of a sinner. And he is seeking to make you feel guilty because that feeling guilty is the only way that you're going to come to an awareness that you need a Savior. He loves you and he's working around you right now through people who have talked to you, through the preaching of the word, through that word in your conscience right now would you cooperate with him would you right now open your life to him and say oh spirit I accept your testimony that Jesus the one and only Son of God I com- I confess my sin I ask you to come into my life forgive me and give me power in the name of Jesus amen would you stand together with me we're gonna sing a song if it's your desire to embrace the gift of God's Son and of His Spirit, become a follower of Christ, would you walk forward here? Somebody will pray with you, answer any questions you have. You could be baptized at our next baptism. Maybe you want to come and pray. You're, anyone's welcome to come to me. If you want somebody to pray with you, I'll pair you up with someone. or You can pray on your own. If you have someone with you, would you come and pray? As God speaks to you, whatever you need, let's, let's sing together.
0: What can I give to you? What can I offer to the King? For
1: mm okay. Call your name. <laughs>